You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. They never could. The end is near. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club and welcome to the Soul Gem. It's very peaceful here. I hope everybody's having a great time. Just feel the warmth and the sun and the, ah, the peace. Yes. Well, Who did you sacrifice to get here? I don't want to tell you. Um, but so, as you can tell, we're going to be talking about Infinity War because nobody is talking about anything else but Infinity War, except for that Ant-Man Wasp trailer. But no, that's another time. Uh, I'm so excited to be here. And as you already heard, I have one of my favorite people podcasting with me, Drea Kaufman. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm just disappointed that Matt won't tell me who he sacrificed. I, just, I, I mean, it ruins the sacrifice if I tell you. It's I mean, not like a birthday feel- wish. That if you tell, it won't come right. true. You don't know. You don't know what I had to go through to get this stone. Maybe I do. Um, <laughs> Hashtag who's your Gamora. <laughs> <laughs> who's your Gamora? <laughs> oh, man, that's weird. Anyway, uh, and you can also hear I have with me, I'm so excited, Brandy Jack. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. I am happy for both of you to be here, too. Um, before we dive in, quick reminder, of course, you can find all the shows here we do on Trek FM over on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Trek FM and, of course, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. We're also got the listeners only discussion group. You can find the Babel Conference. If you're on Facebook, just type Babel into the search field or if you go to the website at Trek.fm. Click discussion on the menu bar and it'll bring you over there as well. And you can join the conversation because there's so many conversations to be had. And then last but not least, if you're on the website and you'd like to send us an email, go to trek.fn slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and that'll come to me and any of the hosts that week. And that way we can converse with you that way. Now, all that said, because we want to go fast because this, this is a big movie. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys as we were gearing up for the war... The gears of war are turning. Uh, where were you coming from with this one? Like, were you super excited that Infinity War was coming? I want to know what your psyche was going into the theater. Well, uh, honestly, I have been hoping that this would happen from the moment Iron Man started. Because I thought, if they're really going to do the Avengers they could get to Infinity War. 
or wars, as it was in the comics. Well, there were lots of infinity things in the comics. Yeah, there's a lot of infinity so many infinite. There's an happen, infinite yeah. number of wars. Too. There's an infinite yeah. number there's of infinity wars. Secret wars. Infinity wars. There's <laughs> civil war. There's yeah, but um, but actually, as and I was I was excited. But it wasn't until like right before the movie started, like when they're doing the digital, this, you know, this theater has digital theater sound system. And, and I started going, oh, it's actually happening. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> and so I'm like having this emotional meltdown. And my husband's just like oblivious at first until I'm like crushing <laughs> his hand just, you know, during the whole Marvel thing. I'm like crushing his hand. He's like, yeah, I crushed his hand more than a few times during that film. He's so sweet to just let me do that. There were a few times that he did let go of my hand and just kind of stretched his fingers. Just a little yeah, blood running like, back um, in. Honey, I love you, but seriously, I need my hand. It's like you're having a baby over here. Yeah, so it was, that was, I was, I was having a baby called a fairy war. So, <laughs> sorry, I was just, I was excited. I was excited. And it was. So Brandy was excited. I didn't get any, I didn't get that at all. Yeah. I mean, I think she was just maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was, it. It was no, I feel, just uh, like whatever. Yeah. I guess it's okay. Yeah. yeah. What, what about you, Drea? <laughs> um, so I very limited comic book knowledge of the Avengers. Most of my comic book knowledge is either Spider-Man or the X-Men. So not, I mean, there's some overlap there and eventually, you know, there, there's obviously an interplay there, but I was definitely not like that familiar with the storylines and stuff. I knew it was a big one. I mean, I think if you know anything about any of it, you know, it's a big one. Um, but I, I think for me, I was, I mean, I've been feeling a little burnt out on some of the Marvel. Every, everything's this huge hype and sometimes it meets that hype and sometimes you get the inconvenience of Ultron. So um, I the think that... The inconvenience of Ultron. <laughs> it sounds like a British movie. It does. Damn, Ultron, you're it saying. Like, that's the Monty Python version. <laughs> the inconvenience of Ultron. It's like the now, importance of being another artist. inconvenience. Yes. So, you know, I was, I was sort of setting my expectations at Ultron that maybe it was going to horrifically let me down um, and just be sort of. Um, so I went in with very low expectations and uh, which I, I think is good. I mean, it's the same reason I don't really watch movie trailers is I don't want to get myself all hyped up and then be really disappointed like I was with like a wrinkle in time. Um, so it's I like being really all jacked in. up a Mountain Dew, then you come down and you're like, <laughs> oh, oh, or watching or the Terminator yeah, or whatever that yeah. last one Genesis? was, Genesis or whatever. That was a weird Genesis, one. Genesis, um, Gen Genesis, Genesis, Genesis. That's it, Genesis. Yeah. Genesis. Genesis. Yeah, it sounds like something you go to the gynecologist for. Yes, it does. A little too on the nose. Yeah. It's gonna but, be a uh, great show, yeah! folks. <laughs> Handbreaking in obies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went in with mo moderate to low expectations um, for it, and I'm glad I did. So, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a little bit in there, but between both of you, you know, I, because I do think for me there has been a little bit of the Marvel fatigue, and I do think part of that is just. The geek culture right now is so overhyped on whatever is coming. It, you know, it's Star Wars, it's Marvel, it, you know, it's like, and 
it it does get difficult to be able to feel like we can actually judge the movies for what they are because before they come out it's already like and actually um Martin Scorsese was talking about this at an event the other day about like you know um, movies immediately get judged now on on Rotten Tomatoes right and they're either like the best thing ever or they're like you know 17% right and so it becomes this either or thing instead of like really getting a chance to go in watch the movie judge it for what it is the art that it is if it's art you know like or if it's just the Transformers (laughs) Uh, you know um, not that I'm knocking just the I I like the original Transformers but the rest of them that's where you get that whole like it's the Transformers anyway it's okay it's Michael Bay yeah it's Michael Bay exactly so that I think that's I kind of going in. I was I was a little bit like you, Dre. Was like I'm trying to not get super hyped on this. Um, and and part of it too was just like nobody's ever tried anything like this before. Uh, in the sense of like building up for ten years, eighteen movies to then explode all over the screen. What everybody's always hoped that they would get, you know, and you know, and it. it I'm with you too. Like, how can it live up to this kind of hype? And so that's where I was coming from. And I, what I really wanted, like, I just wanted it to be good. You know, I just, I wanted to be able to enjoy it. And I'm hoping for some great moments with these characters that I have spent 10 years with, you know, and I have come to like a lot of them, you know, whether it's Captain America or really love, you know, personally Rocket Raccoon. He's one of my favorites or, you know, all these characters coming together. Like I want to see them get to interact together and all that stuff, you know, and and hopefully they'll do it well. And I, you know, I, I think, um, to me, that was the best way to come into it. That, and I didn't watch, I only watched the trailers. I didn't watch any TV spots. I didn't either. Or anything else. Um, because I didn't want anything ruined. I just wanted to see the trailers. That's it. I, I don't want to know anything else. So, coming down to it, though, I thought this movie is really interesting. I wanted to talk to you guys because it really kind of becomes a movie about the villain for the first time in any of the Marvel movies um, that may I, I don't think that it's any any you know real revelation to say yeah the marvel villains haven't been great for the most part there's been a few standouts but for the most part we don't go oh man the depth of that you know thor ragnarok villain was just i mean hella was i just you know she's cool and everything but it's not like we're praising her depth or anything this movie is about really Thanos it's from his point of view which I thought was fascinating we spend a lot of time with Thanos I think we actually spend majority of your time with Thanos which I think was smart Mm -hmm. I think taking as many characters and as many storylines as you have it is smart to spend your time on the thing that ties them all together versus trying to spend your time with all of the individual Mm -hmm. storylines yes absolutely well and I wanted to ask you guys so Let's kind of break Thanos down. Let's talk about his plan and his motivations. So now we're psychologists. Mm-hmm. Yes, basically. I took psychology. So we're going psycho, sure to right psychoanalyze office. a big purple dude with, you know, a uh, hairy... Well, he doesn't have a hairy it's, chin. It's not hairy. It's kind of a... 
I, I was gonna say what what it's like what, extra dimpled. It's like yeah. I, I was gonna say what you know uh, Pratt said about it, but I mean it's a little bit more ah. PG thirteen, almost rated R for this show. So anyway, yeah. uh, what did you guys think? Because uh, his plan is this: he wants to end half of life in all of the universe through the Infinity Gauntlet and, and having all the stones, um, so that he can give the rest of the universe a chance. And all of this comes because he's motivated by what happened on his own planet with overpopulation. So basically, really, Thanos is just worried about overpopulation of the universe. Really, Thanos is China. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a good thing? Mm. (laughs) And, and, And so I wanted to ask you guys about that because to me, like... I don't know. I, I, I'm having trouble kind of like they try to make him have all of these kind of this kind of depth or whatever. But in the end, like it just seems kind of like a strange plan. Like I'm going to have all these stones and all this power. And like the only thing I can think of is, you know, if we just ended half of it, half the people, then the universe would be cool. Like that's all you can come up with with infinite power and time and space and like you control all of these powers and like at the end all I've got is you know let's let's just end half of it and it'll be it'll it'll work out well having read comics well I know and I know infinity gauntlet um because uh you know obviously there he's trying it's 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 even a little bit stranger because he's just trying to impress death yes uh, well and i so this i yeah, honestly this think, would try to make it more altruistic yeah but it's more hitler tristic than it is, it is like actual tristic. and see that's the thing is that i you can you can take this somewhat noble idea but he has twisted it to the point where it's just if if uh, anyway it reminds me of the star trek discovery book uh drastic measures and in that case i'm not going to say that people might not have read it i don't want to no split. no you can talk okay. about it because it, i mean it's kodos the executioner kodos the executioner and, he kills yeah and that comes from the original yeah, series he kills so. half the people on the planet so that the other half might live and uh what wow, gives thanos and kodos are the same person yes it's thanos the executioner so <laughs> Actually, there's a reason why they call him the Mad Titan, because uh, when he presented his plan, his, you know, he was met with, oh, you're you're mad. So that's why how he earned that nickname. They don't really call him that it that much in the cinematic universe, which is fine. But I wouldn't be surprised that if all of this is, as he said, he's he's trying to save the universe but at the same time, quote unquote, ding ding, yeah, quote, air quotes, air quotes, save the universe. Save the yeah. universe. But I wouldn't be surprised if we find out in the future that yeah, he was really trying to get Death's attention as well because they had a falling out a while back, and he's just like this stupid obsessed stalker that will just do anything to get her attention. <laughs> but so um, I'd say you know. Murdering the quadrillions is mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a way to get death's attention. Yeah, she notices a lot more people at her doorstep. Yeah, D- does she suddenly just go, oh, oh wow, Thanos! I had no idea you had this in you. I mean, it's just like, what's the end game there? No matter how you slice it, <laughs> this guy is nutso. He is nutso. He is mad. 
in the classic sense of the word. So knowing that from the comics, I'm I'm thinking that during the entire movie, I'm like, yeah, but you really just want death to love you again. So I I feel like he he's not like certifiable like Oh Rome, no 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 right who was literally crazy pants, right? Like obsessed. I get this. Well, I mean, a, a, a dance off stopped him. So, yes, he was crazy. Yeah, he was uh, yeah. mad as a bag yeah. of cats. Yeah. But I feel like you have this misguided obsession of a different sense that is bo- basically he's a giant, calm zealot. Like, he does not have any emotion, he religiously follows what he believes. He converts others to believe that, and he literally earns the term zealot. He reminds you of those cult leaders who keep their calm, even when you're, I mean, think Charles Manson, like, you're talking, like, creepy level of of zealot that there is no, he, he will see this through until he dies. Like, there is nothing you can do. And to me, that makes him somewhat more of a terrifying villain than some of these others that are kind of unbridled rage, if you will, um, like Ronan, who's just kind of crazy pants, but you can probably stop him. He, he has such determination and depth of his belief and that what he's doing is truly right, that it to me, it's even more terrifying than some of the other villains in a much more understated, like emotional level right like he may not be terrifying and he goes raging rampaging hulking out everywhere you know he doesn't even fight most of the battles himself he has others do it for him um but it's that ability and that charisma that he gets to to convert like his um his little group his black order right um that is just i mean he clearly had gomorrah and nebula fooled for a while you know his just he has this charisma that does have that sort of hitler-esque feeling to it or or um red skull kind of feeling to it that to me that's a little that's a scarier type of villain than some of the others we've seen i like that you point out this kind of like religiosity this this zealot nature because in the end what thanos is trying to do is to be a god Mm -hmm. he sees a problem in the universe he thinks that he is the only one that uh, has the will to solve it um, and I thought what was most interesting is that you get at the beginning of the movie, um, you know, after the spoiler, full spoilers. OK, so if you. It, yeah. Um, but when he kills Loki, you know, Loki says to him before he dies, you will never be a god, um, which is I love it's because it's funny because Loki knows what it's actually like to be a god because he's the god of mischief. Um, and but there is this thing in Thanos where he. What he is is just a very bad, false god. He is a being trying to be God, control the powers of a god. With Because when you think about it, the Infinity Stones, when you put them all together, they basically give you the power of creation and all of what it means to be a god. But you have to be somebody who is worthy to wield those powers, just like you have to be worthy to wield Meow Meow. Um, <laughs> meow Meow! And so... Yeah! <laughs> But but what we see in Thanos, I think, is and what's most fascinating about him is that he is somebody that is so religiously devoted to this one idea that he has. He has absolutely no imagination on how to solve the universe's problems other than what he thinks 
what he's told himself is the only truth, which is half the universe has to end for the rest of it to begin, which I'm thinking, you got all the power in the universe literally at your fingertips. Like, you can make the universe bigger, right? You can make there be more resources. You can make it okay for this, um, like, quadrillions of people to exist, and there being absolutely no problems with that because you have all the powers of, of inf- you have the powers of infinity. The infinity yeah. stone is not a genie. No, no, <laughs> like, it but doesn't I mean, grant like, you but wishes. when you put them like, all together, you literally have control over all of the elements, including yes. time, death, yeah. reality. Uh, all of these things are at your fingertips. Yes, but controlling reality doesn't create more resources. No, well, but like I you mean, can't make something out of nothing. You can't expand the universe because you can control well, reality. See, like you can control what people think exists. Yeah, that's what I. I don't think that I. I think you can because after reading the comic book with what you can do with the Infinity Gauntlet, yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. I mean, you you really can. So so for me, this Thanos. Almost, I, I didn't really take it so much as him wanting to be a god. Like, I, I agree with the Loki. I agree. Maybe that's what it looks like from the outside, especially at the beginning, right? And everything we know of Thanos. So I took it more as like the believer from Serenity, where he's doing what he feels like needs to happen. And he's doing what he feels is necessary, even though it's not popular or right uh, or right according to, you know, laws. And that I almost feel like he understands that there's no place for him in the world, which is why he doesn't want to like rule the universe when he's done. He just wants to go and rest and watch a sunrise or sunset. I don't remember, but I almost get the impression that he understands that what he's doing will no longer have a place for him. So that's kind of more what I took it like, um, that he's creating a better world for everybody else and he doesn't want accolades or, or glory or anything like that. And that there's a sort of misconception among everyone who's been collecting these infinity stones that he does want to be a god. Um, I, I, I sort of feel like throughout the film we get indications of that and especially with our end scene where he just is sort of quietly sitting alone on a hilltop watching the sun rise. Let's go with rise. Let's go with rise. Rise. Yeah. Let's go with rise. Um, watching the sun rise that, you know, you get this idea that like he's not looking for infamy and glory. He just wants to set the world right the way that he feels like it needs to be. So in the sense, he feels like he's a god and that he should control these things. But I don't think of him as a god like we had with Ego in the last Guardians who wanted to replicate himself around the world right. and control the world. I almost got it like he wants yeah. to do what needs to be done and then he's, he's good. He's done. He won't use it. He's, he's good without the gauntlet, you know? Yeah, I kind of think of him. Uh, so uh, specifically here, I, I think of the idea of God because what we're getting is a perversion of the creation story in Genesis where in the end God rested, you know, and it was good. But this is not good. Thanos thinks it's good, but it's not. And so what we're getting is that, again, it, he's a he's somebody who's not he's not worthy to hold these stones and do what he's trying to do because his idea is corrupt. It, it is a corruption of all that is beautiful. And it's, it's very much a juxtaposition with everything that the heroes are doing. Right. Because, and I, I came to this, I thought it was really interesting because I was thinking through this. The reason that the heroes don't trade lives is because they're not willing to sacrifice what is most precious. Um, they're here to save lives, not to end them um, if they don't have to. And so, uh, whereas, you know, we totally see that 
what we get, Thanos is willing to sacrifice everybody else's life but his own to do what he thinks is best. Um, he might sacrifice it emotionally, quote unquote, you know, for what he feels like he has to do. But, you know, that's just kind of like BS in the end. Like that he's just telling himself his quote unquote truth, which we all know is definitely not the truth. So I just I, I feel like, it again, it is it's, it is what they have is they have created somebody who is complex enough. But, yeah, when you come down to his his plan, it is just kind of crazy pants. Like, you're like, yeah. no, this is this is insane, dude. Um, I did really enjoy it, though. Like, I did really enjoy getting to delve into a, a deeper level villain and have a villain that we got to kind of follow along and see the progression of how he sort of, you know, tries to succeed or, in this case, actually succeeds um, versus following all the... And, I mean, we've gotten to know those superheroes so well, I don't feel like I need to spend more time with them. Um, so it was really nice to be able to spend time with a new character, even though it happened to be the villain. Um, I think it also gave it a different feel. Like, you don't have this happen in the other movies, so you're like, oh, this is unique. Like, this is different. Well, and that's what made Loki one of the better villains is because we spent time yeah. with him. Yeah, But with, with Thanos, the biggest problem with him, and this is not a problem that I have with the movie, but it's just with with the way Thanos thinks, the character, his issue is that he, and we don't know how old he is. We don't know if he's a hundred years old, a thousand years old. We don't know, but it's long enough for his planet to basically have gone extinct. And so he's built up this idea in his mind for so long that he literally cannot see any other option than the option that he has deemed necessary. And that's why he doesn't do anything else except this thing he's been telling himself for possibly a millennia. We don't even know how long it's been. And so he is, and that's where the whole zealot thing comes in, like Drea said, is that he is so set on doing it, no matter what the cost, that that's all he sees. There's never going to be another option for him. And the, the biggest problem with that is, is who are you to decide this for an entire universe? Why, where do you get the stones well, to believe yeah. that you... Where do you get the chin to believe? Where do you get the believe? chin? <laughs> that big purple chin. Where, where does, where, how does that influence you to believe that you get to make that choice for the entire universe? Well, if you want to go on a, on a, like a, if we really want to go down this whole like psychosomatic oh, yeah. path here, because I think we totally can with mm. this character, you know, he's totally disassociated himself with life Absolutely. in general. He cannot, the reason he can, he can just rid the whole universe of half of it is because he does not understand or associate individual human life. Like, like Matt was saying, the Avengers mm -hmm. do, right? We don't trade lives because every life is precious and unique of its own. Yeah. In I mean, order it, to it's the sanctity of life. Like the Avengers have right. that. Thanos does not. Yeah. Right. And it's, 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 I'm sure it's rooted in some long, deep sought after he saw half his planet die. And the only way he could cope is to completely disconnect and disassociate himself with life and with what it is and what that loss actually felt like because losing half of your culture, I mean, Spock lost it. You know, you think about Spock losing all of, you know, Vulcan when he's like, all the Vulcans, when he's, you know, watches the, the planet, explode or implode or whatever it did 
Um, but you know, like that causes such an emotional trauma on people that he, for me, he's just disconnected. He's like, I can't think about human life. I can't think about all that loss. I can't think about what this means. I just have to prevent others from having to go through this. You know, he's literally mad in the sense that like something has disconnected in his mind and he physically cannot handle the like PTSD of reconnecting that. So, you know, it has probably been and is an extraordinary amount of time that he has convinced himself that this is the way and that he is sparing everyone from this horrible thing that we just don't even know. I mean, how oh, many times have you been around someone? Know. How many times have you been around someone who's like, oh, I'm helping you. You just don't even know. And you're like, right. dude. Yeah. But I mean, that's what you're, what's happening here. But on a giant godlike a scale. Giant purple godlike scale. <laughs> What's what's fascinating to me is that is to see actually how Tony and Thanos have some of the same problems. Yes. And that's what I thought was interesting. And that's where for me, honestly, one of the greatest villains in the Marvel Universe has always been Tony because Tony can't get over himself. Inadvertently. In, in a, yep. But yes, but it's it, part of that is just because he won't listen to other people. He keeps doing the same things over and over again with expecting a different result. Um, and, and in very many ways, he has a lot uh, in common with Thanos. So I'm, I'm very interested to see. Obviously, what, we he don't, takes away from this. It, it, besides if, knowing yes, half the world is gone. <laughs> if, if we finally get Tony making a change that's more permanent in his life after seeing this if he'll actually learn that lesson i, I just if he'll see what an obsessive nature yes, can actually exactly. turn into exactly yeah. um so uh just uh, just so you guys know um in the comics there is a race of people that are religious zealots that come about because of tony jettisoning a lot of his old tech into space and they come across it, and they are bad, bad people. So, yeah, his carelessness has caused a lot of trouble in the future. I can yeah. see that. Um, I, I also find it interesting that in this movie, we sort of have to learn the same lesson that we've learned in all the other, other Avengers movies. And that, like, if you don't work together, it will never mm -hmm. work. It will never. I mean, all of these people try to take him on. Oh, I can stop him. Like, Two or three people are like, oh, I got this, guys. And you're like, no, no. I'm just waiting for Superman to show up and be like, hold my beer. I got this. Uh, yeah. Um, his name is actually Adam Warlock. That's the guy who you're looking for. Yes, yes. So, yeah. which uh, yeah. we, yep. we were introduced to him briefly at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So, yeah. Yes. That... But he won't probably come until after. I mean, Guardians isn't scheduled till after. Then the yeah, I don't. Part of this, I don't think so. they're going to solve this the same way they did in the comics. I think yeah. it's going to come down. Warlock's to, not going to be we'll our see. savior. I think it's going to be uh, Captain I don't Marvel. Know. Actually, well, Captain Marvel will come in, but I think it's. I well, let's talk about that at the end. So yeah. Okay. We'll get sorry. To sorry. Jumping ahead. No. Um. Uh, just a side note. I saw a really funny meme, and it had all the. Uh, it had Thanos showing up, like saying, "Uh, I demand your uh, silence or whatever," and then all the he the Marvel heroes being like, "Oh," and then Superman just like hold my beer, uh, and then he's like, "It takes all of you to stop one dude." Uh. Anyway, I just um. It, it took three um, people to stop Doomsday. You DC fan. It's your you. Well, you silly anyway, DC so, um, <laughs> I love, um, and what was interesting is Thanos' relationship with Gamora and with Nebula. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, obviously he doesn't really care about Nebula, um, which I thought Were was- Were we our parents' favorite? Is that yeah, what you were going to ask us? Gamora is definitely his fave. Um, and 
I wanted to ask you though, because what's fascinating to me is obviously the soul stone accepts his sacrifice, right? Yeah. But does he really sure. love her? Sure. I don't, I, I like, I know because real love is sacrificial. Yeah. I have theories. But not sacrificial as in, yeah, I'll throw her on the altar of the soul stone. So movies tend to use certain thematic elements to represent things. And generally water means you're not based in reality. Um, so he throws Gamora off the cliff and he wakes up in a weird puddly water of sand with the stone. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I question whether Gamora actually died and whether that, like what happened there, like, because yeah. that, wa- because of that kind of mirror water part, it, to me, that had to do mean something. And if it doesn't, then I'll be wrong, but it had to mean something. So I am curious if the stone asks you to, I mean, first of all, why the hell does it ask you to sacrifice someone? Because oh yeah, I'm going to sell, you have to sell your soul by committing murder. Like, wouldn't the baddest of bad guys be like a thousand percent willing to do that? Oh sure, I'll throw someone off a cliff, why not? Well, but it's supposed to be somebody that you actually do care about. That's my well, question. Well, it's the thing you love most. Exactly, so that's my question right. is is it, the, if, if that's the case, if that's the only way to get the stone, what they're saying is that somewhere in there he loves her, but I'm, what I'm, fr- I'm, st- I Real, true love is sacrificial. It's not willing to sacrifice somebody. So I, yeah. I'm wondering what the stone considers love. Has it well, been watching too many soap operas or something? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I think that it's more... I think that the stone, the the point that they were trying to make that I don't think it worked very well, I think it was kind of forced, um, is that you would be willing to give up everything for this. Um, and instead of everything, it asks for the thing you care for most in this world, um, in order to obtain it. And I think it's trying to look at some sort of, I don't know, clarity of like clarity of purpose, right? They want to make sure whoever gets the stone has a real clear intention, um, you know, is kind of an obsessed person like Thanos. Um, but I still think it was a weird thing for it to ask for. It should have ask you to do that and then if you did that not giving you the stone because you're not pure of soul you know what i mean like i would it just seems weird i honestly don't think the soul gives two fig newtons about purity the soul stone does not care about purity the soul stone wants souls that is all that it wants it doesn't care how it gets them the funny thing is is it seems like it made up this riddle specifically for the red skull because the Red Skull has nothing to sacrifice because the only thing he loves is himself, and he's certainly not going to sacrifice himself. Therefore, it's a treasure he can never possess himself. So, but I don't, I don't think that the Soul Stone cares at all how it gets its souls. It's an intru- I hadn't thought about it that way. That's interesting. Well, and it could be that care about, but that doesn't mean necessarily love. Yeah. So maybe I'm just reading too much into it. And that yes, that is somebody that he bit. cares about, which we can see he does care about her, right? But it's it's not true. Yeah. Okay. So I get that. Well I think it is. I mean I think for him it is love, right? And but for him he What is love? I mean if you're a zealot, if you're a zealot 
<laughs> he feels no that he loves her, but he feels like his mission is greater than what he like. This is again why I don't really think he should. He thought of himself as a god because he had to sacrifice, like he said at the end, everything in order to achieve his like weird obsessive goal right so for him he probably did very much so love gamora but for him it wasn't about him it was about this idea this crazy messed up ideal that he had that he felt he had to do it was his calling he kept saying he was the only one with the will to do it so in this case i don't think it was about loving this power he gets from the infinity stone more i think it was that he felt that gamora should feel like privileged mm. almost to be the sacrifice because she's doing it for a greater right. good the greater well and good. again it's the perversion the it's the perversion of the cross right correct like, it's the perversion of what's happening exactly here. you can't think about right. this logically right. so, because there is, there is no logic. there's no well, reasoning yeah, with him it, right I mean, there's yeah. no getting between him and his goal well and it's be, it, it would be like god killing his son on the cross but Jesus not wanting to die, you know? Right. But that's not how... Which he didn't, which he didn't, so... Well, but that's not how the story goes. Jesus is willing to do... He's willing to, but that doesn't mean he wanted to. He wasn't well, like, yeah, well, sure, no, but I'm gonna be, I so, love like, torture. He is a part of the plan in the sense that he knows what's coming and he willingly yes, yes, chooses to lay yeah. down his life. Whereas yeah. Gamora, no, not so much. So again, it's like... Not it's so like, much. It's like that perversion of the this story. kind of biblical... Like, what's interesting is that this entire movie is a perversion of the entire biblical epic of uh, epic proportion. <laughs> like, like they're yeah. just we're really screwing right. with uh, the the biblical themes here and and kind of showing them almost in a way as if they are with all of these people that aren't actually gods trying to do godlike things. This is what happens when beings try to be god that aren't god. This this whole hunt for the soul stone thing though didn't work for me. Um, Part of it did explain some of what we got in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 that I know a lot of people didn't really enjoy, which is the whole Nebula Gamora family thing. But well, I mean, I so did I. I loved so yeah. some people did not. But I mean, at least it gave some context here why she actually cared about her being tortured. Because if we didn't have that storyline in Guardians, then why the crap would Gamora care, right? Like they always had this tension and you know, there's nothing. Now all of a sudden you create the sisterly love and the guilt and all that, right? Like that's why she even tells Thanos where the soul stone is in the first place. Um, but I didn't, there, there's so much to that whole thing. One that just didn't work for me and two that I didn't understand. Like if you knew that that's where it was and that he would have to sacrifice something, then why the hell would you go? Well, I don't think she knew that. Yeah. She only knew. Then then, then she didn't really know where the stone was. She well, just knew no, she, what planet she it was on. She knew what planet was on. She knew that, I mean, there was a map to the. Then why where... not just take him to the planet and be like. Yeah. Like he'd like, let her do the, that. But yeah. even so, like it was just such a she was she seemed such a willing participant in that part, and then and then just for me, like as her as Zoe Saldana's acting in that scene was so forced. Like, ha, you don't love anything. Like it was obvious. As soon as you got up there, and they're like, you have to throw what you you have to get rid of what you love. You're just like, uh oh, bye, Gamora. Um, like you knew from the beginning, and she kept like, what, what? Like it, it was ugh, ugh. didn't work. Didn't work for me. <laughs> Wasn't a fan. I somewhat agree with you because I've never been a huge fan of Zoe Saldana in these films. Um, I, I feel like she is being asked to do a lot of things that she's not very good at. 
Um, she's really good at uh, taking names and you know, yep, kicking. Or, yeah, taking taking names and and taking taking names. You know, um, <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Yes, thank you. Sorry, Mantis. I apologize. Yes, um, you owe her an apology. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I should have totally apologized. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like that is the weakest part to me. But it's interesting because I think the Soul Stone will be the one that's going to be the most important because I think that's why Gamora's not dead. Is she's actually yeah. in the Soul Stone? Oh, she's, she's actually in, yeah. no. Uh, of course, she's in the Soul Stone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. No, I agree. I, but I, I just that whole scene. It just it was it was weird and like she didn't seem afraid and she should kind of feel afraid or like I don't know. It just. There's just so much about the entire scene that, like, like I see how they wrote it and what they were trying to do, but it just left so many, like, lingering questions for me. And, and it just... It was, to me, the weakest part of this whole thing. So 40 minutes into Avengers movie, we haven't really talked about any Avengers, so we should probably get to them because... <laughs> um, yeah, we have a lot to talk about. Um, well, we talked about Gamora. Well, you know what I mean. And Tony Stark. Yeah, you know what I mean. So... The Avengers have these groups that they're split up into. Uh, we've got Tony Strange, Peter, not Tony being Strange. He's with Doctor <laughs> oh, Strange. Oh, oh, we're using no, her. Tony uh, Strange, Peter, yeah, yeah. Uh, and some names. of the Guardians. Uh, then we get Thor, Rocket, and Groot. And then we have the largest group, which is Cap, Black Widow, Black Panther, War Machine, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Winter Soldier, and Hulk. And, of course, the rest of Wakanda. Um, so... I just kind of wanted to all of Wakanda yeah. guys. All of Wakanda came to the party. <laughs> forever. Wakanda forever. Um, so first just wanted to ask you guys uh, about the, the this first group, Tony and Strange and Peter and um, some of the Guardians. Honestly, I can't believe that, that Tony and Strange can fit into one ship in the first place uh, with all of that. Oh, ego. egos. Yeah. And Star-Lord. <laughs> and Star-Lord. Yeah, and then Star-Lord, yes. And it's like... And Thor. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But seriously, Star Lord, Strange, and Tony. Oh my god! Is there any more ego that? I mean, they're bigger egos than Rocket. ego. Rocket. If you had thrown Rocket in there, I think you could have had like the 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 quadfecta of. I ego. mean, you, with all the hot air, you could have flown anywhere in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> but but Stephen has learned some humility, so some. some. But he's also aware of what he can do, and. Just from reading the comics, you guys don't even know the stuff he actually sees. It's crazy stuff, man. Stuff that would drive any normal man crazy. So he's, in my opinion, he's the least stupid of the bunch. And he's no, the, I agree. I think he's the he key is the this. absolute. He's the linchpin for sure. Um, and I think that because of what he has learned, and we there's a lot we haven't seen that he's been through, uh, that has made him, yes, he's confident in his abilities, but he is not Tony Stark arrogant. So there's a difference. It's a different yeah. kind of ego, but it's still a pretty big, he's a big personality. He's, he's got to be guy. that way. Otherwise... Okay. I really, I thought it's so interesting that we we didn't get the Hulk, like that the Hulk got afraid. Yes, of Thanos. I love. Like, I thought that was so I interesting. I'm like the Hulk is afraid for I the first hated time it. ever. I really? Hated it. I was like, I why do we have to? to have... Okay, look, I get that they don't, they can't do another Hulk movie because of rights issues, right? Um, oh, yeah, they can't one? do yeah, a full on they... Hulk okay. movie like they want to. So I, I get that we're trying to do like um, 
character growth for Hulk, but I don't want to see. <laughs> We've the Hulk. woven through every storyline. I don't want to see the Hulk have performance issues the whole movie. <laughs> That's all that we've, that's what we've got. And it was just obnoxious. Like I got to the point where I was like, okay, this is, this is not, it's not funny anymore because it's just the same joke over and over again. And you're not really driving home any good points with it. You're not using it. Yeah, but it. for me, like we didn't spend enough time with him that it got annoying. Like we, we spent enough time across all the characters and more time, like we talked about with Thanos, that like for me, we didn't have the opportunity to dive into that. So I know it'll come up in the next one when we have a moment to like stop and take a breath and he has a moment to like have a little inner conversation with Hulk. Um, but I did like getting to see more of Bruce Agree. Like, Yes, but he also came off as an idiot in the movie. And I was very frustrated about that. Him, because he ha- he's not the Avenger. Like the Hulk is the Avenger, not Bruce it, Banner. It's true, but Bruce so, is also a genius. Yes, but that doesn't mean that he's It doesn't brave. mean he can fly a spaceship mean... or a Hulkbuster. It doesn't mean that he can know that the Hulk's not coming out, but he's still going to run into battle. Like, it's such a, di- it's a different character than the Hulk. And I thought it was interesting we got to spend time with the different character. And I really hope the Hulk comes back in the next movie. Okay, but well. it was interesting that it was a thing. Like, we got to spend time with Bruce Banner, in a, him in a condition that is not, his like not anyone that he would ever pick for himself so for me i enjoyed that yeah i can see how it would yeah. old, but it didn't bother it. me either because we spent so much time with hulk in ragnarok and very very little bruce i mean he was basically locked in the trunk for a couple of years and didn't even know where he was i mean he was so so deep in that trunk that he didn't know anything that was going on And so for him to come back to Earth after all of that has to be disconcerting, at least. And now he's got to fight a battle and he doesn't have the one weapon that he's supposed to be reliable for. And now he's got to just do what he's got to do. And, you know, other people would run away. But... That's the thing about courage and being brave. Being brave isn't doing something because you're not afraid. It's doing something because you are afraid. But you know it has to be done. And that takes greater courage than just saying, okay, well, Hulk, come on. Okay, you're not coming. Well, I'm going to be over here, guys. No, he just goes right in and does what needs to be done. Yeah, and I I mean, I I can see that. Um, I think I just kind of... I well, that's know. okay. I, it's I okay. It, it, it wasn't. Yeah. You didn't okay. enjoy it. No, like, that I, I wasn't didn't, something I you wanted. That is right. that is fine. When it, it's it's not even just what, what I didn't want. It's just, I guess, what I would have liked is I can tell what they're trying to do with the Hulk. They're trying to get it to a place where Banner and the Hulk are actually more one person and they work together. So they're more similar. Yeah, they're exactly. Um, I just I felt like this was kind of a clumsier way to do that because we we're not getting the time to really develop that. And so I, if it was a little bit more developed, I think it would be a pretty cool story. In fact, it would make a really interesting Hulk movie, but we're having to cram it into a movie that already has 40,000 different characters and we don't have time to deal with it. So, um quickly, I I I actually um I really I didn't love the Doctor Strange movie, but I liked Doctor Strange in this movie because I agree with you, Brandy. Um, what I got by the end of it is 
Strange is the only one who truly understands the stakes. What's happening. And what's happening. And what's happening. And part of that is because he truly understands his powers and his mission and what he is called to do. Unlike most, in fact, he's probably the most cap-like of all the other heroes where in the sense that he understands who he is, what his mission is, and he's like, you know, Cap says to, to um, uh, what's his, Ross, he's like, I'm done with asking for, for forgiveness. Like, he understands Permission. who he is, where he is, what his mission is, what he's meant to do on this earth. Strange is that same person. He understands what his purpose, his motivation, and why he's here on this planet, you know? And I thought that was really neat to see that. Whereas, you know, some of the other heroes are... They're all kind of in the midst of that, trying to get to that place that these other two are. Um, so I thought that was great. I feel like that Doctor Strange is like Thanos, like Tony Stark is like Thanos. Like, So Thanos is like the manifestation of the ultimate obsession that we've talked about for, for Stark, right? I feel a little bit like Thanos has this calling and this mission that he's willing to sort of self-sacrifice for the same way that Dr. Strange has this mission and this calling that he's willing to self-sacrifice for. They're just kind of like the, they're like the two ends of the, of the, of the spectrum, right? Like one is the ultimate great good and one is crazy chance. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel a little bit like in that sense too, you can kind of mirror his character with Thanos as well, which is probably why he understands the most of what's going on. And he understands Thanos the most because he can relate in a different way. He has the same drive, but for a different, out, like a different result. And he can literally well, and, see and the future. Yes, <laughs> yes. And he can literally Well, and see that's what I thought was really interesting too, is that... um he understands the power of the stone that he holds, right? And 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 so um, I love when he goes and he says, you know, I've I've seen fourteen million two hundred and fifty that some odd thousand, uh, and we only got one chance. So which I just wanted to scream in a theater. So you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> um, <laughs> which uh, probably wouldn't have gone over as well. Well done. Yeah. But, Let me tell so, you later about something that got screamed in my theater. But I'm not ready for oh, that part yes. yet. Um, so, but I, 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 what I liked about that is that um, unlike Thanos, who just thinks he knows what should happen, Thanos isn't omniscient. He doesn't know everything, right? But, but in some ways, Strange has an omniscience because he does go forward in time, see every outcome that could be, and then what could. So, like. He is, like, I love that you pulled that out. I think that's perfect, Drea. He is Thanos, but he's the one who actually is more worthy to hold the stone that he has been entrusted to take care of. So I love that. Um, what you didn't love. And I, well, and no, I, okay, look, I love Chris Pratt and I love Star-Lord. I think it's a really fun character. I think mm -hmm, that we're mm -hmm. taking. I'm nodding in agreement already with you. I think we're you. taking it too far. His um and and there's no other way to say it but his dickishness, like yeah. He needs to stop being such a man boy and just start learning how to be a man. And he needs somebody to teach that to him. Um, and I'm I'm a little bit frustrated that. I don't know. I I after you know now we've seen him in three movies. I would like there to seem to be a little bit more maturity in this character, 
You'd like a little character growth? Is that yeah, what I'm Yeah, but hearing? this this movie, it just felt, it almost felt more like uh, volume one, Peter, than volume, the end of volume two, Peter. Because end of volume two, I feel like he's gone through a lot and I feel like he had really grown. It's kind of like Iron Man three and then, wait, what? All, all of a sudden, you know, it's like they sometimes forget that these characters have gone through really big moments, like the aha moment and it, and. This movie, I was just a little bit frustrated with him until the moment where he was really willing to pull the trigger. And then I was like, oh, wow, he really does love her, but he also really loves the universe that she loves, too. And I was like, okay, that's a good moment. But then, of course, you get back to the planet and Titan, and he just loses it again. And it's just like, I don't know. Um, I, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I, it was, it was too much like jealous boyfriend and not enough. Like, I've seen, I've seen some shiz and like, I have to trust my team and my girlfriend because healthy relationships are based on trust. I'm I'm just going to put that little nugget of wisdom out there. Um, You know, you would, you would hope that he would have. I mean, he's like, you would have an angel and a God had a baby. But but at the same time, like I can see that reaction if it seemed like they were messing with him, right? Like if it seemed like Gamora was kind of messing with him because she knew she could kind of you know poke and prod him a little bit, but it genuinely felt like he was just being a jealous boyfriend, and that is so unattractive. And it's so you're right, it's so not the character we left with, and it it's annoying. It made him just kind of annoying. Like he was just kind of annoying in this film. He, you weren't like, yeah, star Lord. You're like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) You know, I, I looked Uh, at it a a different way. Yes. He regressed, but the way that I see it is that when has he ever had a steady relationship with a woman before he has no idea how to do that. He is learning as he's going and when it comes down to brass tacks, he does have that right reaction where he does what he promised he would do. It doesn't work, but he did it. And then later on, he goes crazy. Nothing worse than uh, blowing bubbles yeah. in the end. Yeah. But and then trying to kill your sweetie yeah. and then coming out <laughs> yeah. as bubbles. Yeah, no, we've all been. Yeah, there. it happens. And so, so yes, I agree that it was annoying and it was frustrating. But I can understand where it's coming from. I don't like where it's coming from, but it's understandable because he hasn't had any good role models in this area at all. But why was it necessary to include this in this? I mean, there's so much you want to tell and show in this storyline. Just like the whole Scarlet Witch vision romance crap like why was any of that necessary you can build sorry (laughs) it doesn't matter you can build relationships and establish loyalties and you can value human life without there needing to be romantic elements to it and you're trying to pack so much into a film already why just muddle it with all of that and like uh, why i would say this i think that you can do that I don't have a problem with it being in there Me either. I'm just, I just think you could do it better. Um, yeah. I, I feel like uh, it does feel a little bit juvenile with the relationships between both of the major couples here. It just feels um, not quite as nuanced as I would hope. Um, but 
it, luckily in the end, it's like five minutes of scream time, and then we can move on to something else because we've got to move on to something else. So um, because you have to right, move exactly. on to something else because so, there's which fifty thousand things I love to show. Because we move. I, okay, I don't like the Thor movies. I don't like any of the Thor <sighs> movies. I can't stand them. But they're my favorite. The Thor in this movie, this Thor and Rocket and Groot together was the best part of the movie to me. Like, I really enjoyed that storyline, and I enjoyed how the Russo brothers took all of the weight that should have been on him at the end of Ragnarok, and instead of making it a joke, they made Thor deal with all of the S that he's just been through in the last few years, and it was so good because Chris Hemsworth, he plays it as somebody who wants to make it a joke, but he can't because he's dying inside. And it was so well done. And like so Rocket, they, they actually took the growth from Rocket in, in um, Volume 2 and brought it here. So he's like now being the person that Yondu was to him in this, that movie. And it's like the whole thing is just... I, who would have thought that in the Avengers movie, my favorite character was going to be Thor and what he went through in this film. I just... I really and and it's all up to the Russo brothers taking the universe seriously here. They just they took all of the story elements and they truly understand that this is not a joke. The Marvel universe doesn't have to be a joke. You can take the the story seriously and you can still have fun with him, but you can also do it in a way that validates what the characters are going through in a way that makes it feel real. And I just their storyline together was so much fun but at the same time it was so it was the best part of the movie to me because it it just it had all the emotion it had the weight and it 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 had the spectacle that i felt like a lot of the rest of the movie kind of lacked so i agree i loved i loved the thor storyline and i loved thor i think chris hemsworth did an amazing job in this in this role and um i mean I said Thor's are my favorite movies. They're they're up there. I don't I didn't like Dark World. Let's be honest. Who did like Dark World? But I don't um, think anybody liked Dark World. I don't think anybody liked Dark. Natalie Portman didn't like Dark World. Um, but I did. I mean, I did think that his character played such an interesting part in this uh, storyline as well. That I just I loved it. Um, I didn't particularly care for. Um, Peter Dinklage's character. I don't think it came off the way they wanted it to. Oh, I thought it was kind of funny, but but that's just me. I, I just, it was too clunky for me to be that funny. I was like, oh, I get it. He's a tiny person. He's actually huge. Oh, I get it. Like, ah, oh, his hands are gone. Okay. Like, I, I don't know. It That didn't, I, I don't think it ruined anything for me, but that part was definitely not my favorite part. Um, but especially since this weird accent that just made him like, talk slow and in a weird speech pattern and yeah anyway um but i agree i loved loved the thor storyline um and i did i did agree when you started adding up everything he's gone through and he's like well what about your mom you still have a mom right he's like nope she's dead too killed by dark like and you are now pretty much the last of your kind no home world yeah yeah, no just Mew just Mew. FYI, people. He only the Thanos only killed half the Asgardians, so all the people you cared about were on the other ship. Yep. Don't worry. That's well, except for except for Heimdall and Loki. Yeah, Heimdall and yeah. Loki and Loki <laughs> and 
And uh, what's his face would have been on there too? Uh, the guy who Korg. the director played. Korg. Por- Korg. Probably not. He'll Korg. he'll be in. He'll be in. He it. better be back. If they do another. He yeah. he was on that one. They showed you when they left. He was on the same ship as that Thor. That doesn't mean well, he stayed no, there. I, I don't know. But that doesn't he stayed on <laughs> there because also true. Valkyrie's not dead too. So I mean, we know all. Well, those. we don't know that. We don't know who well, died. We just know that they were. We didn't in this see film. her body. Therefore, she's not dead. Exactly. If if fair, I so if fair. I don't see a body, I'll take it. I mean, I don't want Valkyrie. <laughs> Me either. Yet, I'll, so take I'll take Tessa it. Thompson any day of the week and twice but, on Sunday. But I'm just saying, like, we now have him being one of the last of his kind. Like, he's huge weight, huge weight you've got on him. You know, like, again, I feel like every major character has some sort of parallel to the villain, right? Like, Thanos is probably the last of his race, as we sort of get implied. Thor is one of the last of his race, just like, you know, that was implored because so much of his race died before they even got on those ships, you know, like everyone he knew, all his, his buddies died before they even got on the ship. So you're, you're already dealing with a really small population that's now even smaller. So I, I feel like it's so interesting that every character has some small part that ties back to this villain um, in this film. And it, if it's intentional or unintentional, it's intentional. whatever, but... Yeah, it's the I'm Russo sure brothers. It's intentional. <laughs> yeah, um, I I think the one character I obviously personally want more of, um, and and we don't get a ton of in the movie, which I was a little disappointed was Cap. He doesn't get a ton to do, although I do think, I do think his action sequence with Black Widow and um, Falcon, Falcon in Scotland, um, yeah, in Scotland no, saving yeah. them is probably the best action sequence of the the for the entire movie um just because it, it just really it, it reminds me of classic russo brothers from like uh um you know uh civil war winter or soldier. um winter soldier where it's it's a little bit more intimate and they're they're very good at staging that type of action um and watching the those three heroes work together to you know to save uh vision and scarlet witch was really cool um, cause they were really working really well together. You can tell they've been doing a lot of stuff in the last few years, uh, undercover. And so, um, but yeah, I just, uh, I wish I, we'd gotten a little bit more of him. I mean, the best line in the movie is, and somebody get this man a shield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so, but I mean, at the same time, you have to, you have to figure out where you're going to put your stock in a movie like this. Right. And I feel like we did get so much of cap between winter winter soldier and civil war like we know a lot about him and his backstory and stuff so if you had to sacrifice one of the characters to spend a little less time with that's probably the one to do it with especially because then he made such an impact when he was on the screen like he really capitalized on that time where he was Mm -hmm. there right like he did not waste a moment of it every moment it was intentional and kind of intense um you know so it I f- and I feel like now that we've sort of whittled down the playing field, if you will, we'll spend more time with him in Agreed. part two. Um, so I think that that's kind of like that compromise that you bring to the table. Um, plus, you know, I think that um, along those lines of the, the great fight scenes, I really liked when Thanos came to the battlefield in Wakanda and you saw him sort of take one by one and take them out and i like the thematic they used where it was like not a lot of noise with it i kind of like when they use sound as a love as an intensity mm. thing right there everything was kind of slow and quiet and it doesn't mean it was easy it just means like it was different so i i kind of like that scene as well because it did also feel kind of intimate right you you got to have this like these intimate one tat to tats with 
Thanos. Yeah. So I will say Captain America is my favorite character. He was my first superhero comic when I was four. So that's almost 45 years ago. For, no, almost 41 years ago. I'm going to be 45. So for me, I didn't feel like he was shortchanged because everything he did was with purpose. And the first time he appears... I, I'm not saying he was shortchanged. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to be no, no, no. I just wanted, wanted more. more. I'm, I'm yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, I will always yeah. want more Cap. I will yeah. always want more Cap. Always, 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 always. And I know I can't have it forever, so I'm going to enjoy every bit I can while I still have him. Uh in the theater I was in, the minute he shows up on screen, whole yes, audience erupts yes. in cheers. Yep, yep. And I'm just like, yes, that's the reaction I wanted to hear too. And um, just, ugh, I just love him. I love everything he did. And that look on Thanos's face when he grabs the gauntlet and he's actually, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, he's uh, resisting. His own, yeah. And Thanos has got this look on his face like, What? Who are you, quack? <laughs> but for a moment, he was just like, whoa, wait a minute. This should not be happening. <laughs> this is the guy who could pick up the hammer at this mm -hmm. point if it was there. Oh, he could if pick Mew up Mew was around. Absolutely, yeah. could pick up so, Mew Mew. Yeah. Um, I, so I, oh, I, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about that. So I, I like to think of it as culling the hero herd in this film um, because there's a lot of loss in the movie. But extra textually from the film, we know all those heroes will come back because they all have movies coming up. Um, yep. But what I thought it, it does is more than being emotional, because I'm not emotional about losing these heroes that are all just going to come back in the first movie. But what I thought was really smart is they, they are now going to have the, they basically have the original Avengers back. And that next movie will get to focus on all the Avengers who may actually not come back ever again and so we all will be worried about cap and iron man and black widow and you know um war machine and hulk will they actually survive um and i think that it was so smart to use this as an opportunity to lose everybody so that we can focus on a more core group and it will be probably a little bit more intimate of a film next movie with those characters that we didn't get to have a lot of time with um, so much in this. this And I thought that was really, to me, that's the best part of the loss in this movie of those characters is that it allows then them the freedom to be able to explore those characters that may or may not legitimately ever come back to the MCU after Avengers 4. So I a thousand percent agree with that. I think that's exactly what it is. I feel like so not knowing the Infinity Line story, Infinity War storyline going in, I don't think I expected Thanos to win because in every other superhero movie, and my husband will go on and on and on about how this always annoys the hell out of him. None of the superheroes are really in any peril because they will always win in the end. And boohoo, right? He hates that. Drives him crazy. And I'm always like, just let it go. You know what's going to happen. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, but I think what this is going to do is it's going to give us the ability to have a proper goodbye with these characters that we've spent the last 10 years sort of growing up into the universe with. 
and sort of I feel like it's going to then let us kind of come into the second generation of superheroes and you know we might see a couple of cameos or homages in future movies but I really think that a lot of these characters are going to retire um, sort of like we retired um, Hawkeye and there's another one that we don't uh, and, well, well, even though they're they're they'll be back, but. Fury, oh Fury, Nick yeah. Fury, right? Like we kind of have retired some of these characters that were so important early on, um, and we've moved on to other storylines. I think it's a good way. Like I don't necessarily think you always have to kill off a character to say goodbye Agree. to the character. And so I think giving us the ability to focus on them for this movie, it's going to let them go off into the sunset as heroes, whether alive or dead, because I don't think you're going to kill all of them. Like, I don't think you're going to just kill all of the existing, the original Avengers. But I do think some are going to die that we will see. But I do think a lot of them are going to retire. I know personally, actor wise, you know, both Chris um, Evans. Thank you. There's so many of them. Chris Evans and uh, Robert Downey Jr. have both expressed the fact that they're kind of done. You know, they've been doing this for 10 years. It's hard on your body. You know, it typecasts Well, it's not hard on Robert Downey Jr.'s body because he doesn't really have to look that great, but Chris (laughs) Evans does, you know? Well, but it's still still hard. I I mean, he doesn't do all of the stunts, but, like, you know, it's still physically demanding, and it's been 10 years, and he wasn't young when he started. Um, So, you know, there's just, there's lots of them that are like, I'm kind of ready to call it. Like, I liked representing this character, but I need to, like, move on or just kind of take some time. So I think this is a good way to, like, send them off into the sunset with a nice little salute and a nice little, like, giving them their moment to shine, if you will. So I am i wasn't expecting people to die. Well, then you got a <laughs> shocker. did, and I was like, I was like, okay, all right. So there's that. That, mm-hmm, that happened. I kind of just stared at the screen for a second. Stunned silence like, is what we had all right. in our theater. Yep. Yes, us too. And then I was like, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. And I kind of walked out and I was like texting people. And I was like, have you seen the movie yet? I want to talk yeah. about it. There was, I wasn't there, there was it. One, movie, one woman in our theater who was not happy. And she expressed it very vocally in a theater full of children. Oh, we had that too. The guy right next to me was like, "What the f?" Well, what? And then other people were like, "Going, <laughs> what? No!" Like out loud. Yeah. Like in our th- it was in our yeah. theater, nothing. It was dead silence. And then you hear this voice, and she says, "F this movie!" at the top of her lungs. This was eleven fifteen in the morning, and it was half full of children, half adults, half children. Not okay. I'm sorry. That you were upset that Groot died, but you need to learn when it's appropriate to shout the F word in the middle of a movie. That time is never. I hope you're listening to this podcast right now. She's probably not. Actually, she works with my husband and we didn't know that at the time. Oh, Mm. no. Well, I do know that. I mean, we're talking about loss here and, you know, as adults and reasonable people we can see where this is going we can be like okay so that's how that makes sense we like that blah 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 but i can tell you that i have a friend here in town who took her son to see the movie because he loves the avengers he loves marvel and she's like it's the big thing everyone's talking about it um i want to say he's about nine and she goes i really wish i had done what i do with every other movie and i had seen it myself first and then taken him because apparently he's very severely traumatized by watching his childhood heroes like die on screen 
like she was not prepared to have the discussion. She was not prepared to kind of cope with his grief. And it's, it's been really, it's been, it's been a hard week for her. So it was really interesting to see that that impact had on kids. And she was like, she was on Facebook, like FYI parents, like do yourself a fever and go see it before, before you take your kids, you know, cause now she's having to talk about life and death and, you know, she doesn't want to like ruin it by being like, they'll come back. Don't worry. You know, cause she doesn't know for sure. And she doesn't want to tell them that. And then some of them don't come back or whatever. So, you know, it, it's really, really interesting when you think about it from an adult versus a kid. And this, you know, may not be so profound for us, but kids are like, freaking out yeah. freaking out about well, this so as an adult i'll tell you right now that yes i had trouble with all of the deaths even though i knew without a doubt they were coming i didn't know which ones they would be though um and when yeah. it was peter that ripped the heart out of my that chest one was hard and threw it in the trash and then shook it out of the trash and stomped on it for five minutes or so and then put it back in my chest I have feels. I have really strong feels. And that one just really, I was just like ugly crying at that point. I will say in terms of the deaths themselves, like cinematically, I was, I think they did the best they could. I think that the way they chose to kill people was interesting. Like they weren't exist from, they weren't erased from existence and they didn't like explode into a fiery ball or, or just disappear. Right. They sort of faded away. However, I wish they'd all faded away at the same time. There was this weird series that didn't work of things and people and like, like, you know, the person um, disappears in the helicopter and in the um, car in the final scene and the after scene or whatever. And then there's time for a character to get out, go check on them, be like, they're gone and then disappear. And a time for another character who's been a, a whole time to then take out a pager and send a message and then dissipate like that to me like chronologically it just either they need to be disappearing like whoosh or all at the same time and in instead you got this like weird janky like i'm disappearing oh i'm disappearing oh i'm disappearing like it didn't seem to happen simultaneously and that was weird to me yeah as a the um the 4g on the infinity gauntlet was dropping in and out so after he snapped his fingers your internet connection yeah was it was unstable. unstable and so they couldn't all go out at the same time oh nothing worse than jakey i know 4g infinity yeah. coverage what are you gonna do yeah. when there's oh, not gosh, a wireless Jake. network nearby you have to rely on 4g and uh, yeah it's or like good. the roulette wheel was still spinning. Okay, oh, number yep, 30, yep. number it's like waiting at the DMV. All right, number 47, <laughs> 48. Who's 49? 49. Oh, Nick Fury, you're 49. Good thing you got that message you know, to like, Captain Marvel before you went. Good job. Just in time. Right. So it's just like that was like kind of janky for me as a as a viewer. I was like, they should have all sort of been disappearing at the same time. And you can go back and show me individually who's passing, but like it just seemed to like not have any rhyme or reason behind how it happened there was something uh, just about this for me like wrapping up the movie and like i just i it felt for a while it kind of felt like only half a movie and in a lot of ways i think well it, it, it kind of movie, is kind half of. a movie right <laughs> because i i mean and i was talking to, to john mills about this um you know that this is part one of the part two epic you know the 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 the, the the big double issue part two epic, you know, and this is only part one of it. Um, but one of the things that I, I kind of came to that, 
that made this movie feel like it had more resolution in the sense was when Strange tells Tony, you know, that there's only one way. Um, and that they, so basically it becomes they have to lose to win. And so in a lot of ways, this is going back to some of those biblical ideas. This is the Avengers Good Friday. Um, yep. It looks like they've <laughs> lost. It looks uh, like the the end has come. It looks like the devil has won. But we know that Resurrection Sunday will come, right? And so uh, in a lot of ways, that actually ma- helped me when I came to that realization the other day. It actually helped me find more peace with the way this movie is constructed in the sense that it feels more like it has that kind of resolution to it. Um, and it feels more holistic as a film than just being a part one of part two. So to me, that was something that actually really helped and, and just made it, again, as we've talked about the whole thing, kind of connecting these corruptions of the biblical epic. This was another one of those corruptions in some way. But in some ways, too, it it it... it it was more of just a porting over. It wasn't just really a corruption. It was just kind of like, okay, I get it. It looks like we've lost, but we have to lose to win. Yeah, so. it's a new definition. It's a new definition. Yeah. Of yes, yes. You win by not winning. That's I how have you win. faced that situation in many an RPG video game. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> that was well, Thor think... at the end of the movie when he came in. I yeah, just wanted him right? to be screaming that, you know, just like, oh, that would have been awesome. God, just dub it over yes! when it comes out on I video. Want just dub it over. I want somebody to dub that scene with Thor coming in. If you do Leroy that, Jenkins. If you do that, you can find Matt <laughs> Rushing on Instagram at <laughs> Matthew yep. Rushing O two. Send it to him. Um, I think. I think in this case, I think as a society or as a, a viewing culture, if you will, we've been sort of soured on multi-part movies. Um, you know, you have freaking The Hobbit, which is a 150-page book made into a three-part movie. Um, you know, I, I think that you just, I know everyone just cringed when I said that. No, um, I'm not cringing because I love that series, but we're not going to go down that road, so... But I, I mean, in that case, you have, you know, you have a short book that's expanded to be three movies and you have so many TV shows and just movies in general, like Harry Potter was the last one was two parts, right? You've got so many parts that I feel like as a society, we're a little soured on them or they feel a little cheap, right? They feel like you're just trying to get more money out of me. You're just trying to get me to be hyped about it longer or whatever. But in this case, because of how long this original story is in the graphic novel sense, and then it's just based in how... It's it's an entire like thing in the universe, right? Like this is a huge. thing. Like a huge, people love this this entire part of this universe. That I actually think that it was smart of them to make it two parts instead of trying to force everything into this one part because it was already so incredibly full and so incredibly long. It is the longest Marvel movie to date. That I think if you kept trying to push it in, you would have just done such a such a worse job with it so for me i never minded that it was a two-part i don't even think i realized it was a two-part until i kind of got done and i was like oh yeah there's another avengers coming out relatively soon a year from um, now may 3rd right but that's sooner than when was it when was inconvenience of all time yeah. it was like two years so ago, i think it's like three, three years, years it's been a while two years ago three times yeah it's been it's been a pretty yeah. long time right we've had several movies since then so um but for this to come out so quickly it you know, it's like, oh, okay, so I get it. It's like a two-parter. But they didn't want to tell you that too early on. So you didn't, like, think Well, that. and what's interesting is um, just we, 
when they were making this movie, it was Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. That's what they were called. And they changed it so that it's going to be called, we don't know yet. And so, um, Avengers yes, 4. Yeah, Avengers, Avengers 4, 4 as moment, yet unnamed. So. Right. Um, so I want to ask you guys, um, we were going long, but that's okay because it's, it's a, a long, long movie. movie. So. Did, it's the uh, longest Marvel movie. It didn't movie seem today. like it to me, though. I, I wanted to ask you guys, though, about... So this movie has all of these different action set pieces, and it actually feels like it has one every three seconds because there's just so much happening in the movie. And so I just got, I wanted to ask you guys that about that idea of just these... the action in the movie and how you felt about the action in the movie. I liked the action better than the dialogue. I think that you had multiple... Um, like you had different approaches to different, I don't, know, I don't want to say series, but you know, the guardians has its own sort of dialogue and, and tone and, and Thor has its own dialogue and to tone and Stark has his own dialogue and tone. And that's really hard to get that con to, to flow together in one giant story. Um, so I feel like they were mostly successful. They were probably as successful as I could ask them to be with that. Um, so for me, action is kind of one of those things that it's the same in every language, you know, they're, they're all of its action and they can make that more consistent. So I, I kind of liked it. Um, and like we mentioned a little early on, I felt like a lot of the action was a little more intimate um, than we've maybe gotten in the past and, and a little more like the, the, the um, civil war action where you're kind of the shots were a little tighter um you got more one-on-one -on -one fighting and less like groups coming at things together um you know so i i liked the action it was enough of it that it worked for me we moved i think the pace was good for me um so overall i i was i was on board let's kick some more butt i was on board as well because there is a sense of urgency throughout this film because thanos is collecting these gems. You know, once he decided to finally get off his throne and do it himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> once he yeah, got off his hot like, horse. Okay, I'll do it myself. Well, it's about freaking time because how many times do people have to fail you before you take matters into your own hands? And so there is that sense of urgency throughout the movie. Even in the quieter parts, there's still this sense of urgency. Like he's got this many stones. Now he's got this many. Now he's got this many. And what are we going to do? And... And it kind of leads yeah. to their downfall, right? Because they're all acting in this sense of panic or this like immediate need to respond versus taking a moment to figure yeah, out well, what to do, which would have been a much bo more yeah, boring Yeah, well, and that's movie, the thing. But... They don't have a moment to take. They don't. They right. have to respond as quickly as possible because he's just getting more powerful with each stone. And now he can just travel without a spaceship. So, you know, it's just like, right now, now what do you do? <laughs> so for me, it was... There was much hand crushing. My poor husband, he's so kind to me. And and I never felt like I was being let down by quieter parts. And I never felt like the action was too much. It seemed to be the perfect balance. And for someone who has really efficient kidneys and usually has to get up at least once during a movie, I did not get up during this movie. Even if I had been dying, I would not have gotten up during this movie because I would have missed something important. So, yeah, I really needed to get up about 
15 minutes before the end and i was like no mm-hmm. you can wait it out you can do it power through power through mama power yeah. through and i usually uh, right about the one hour one hour and a half mark no matter how much i've had to drink or how little i've had to drink does not matter my kidneys are like oh you're in a movie theater guess what i know you just went right before we started but hello and that didn't happen this time. I don't know if it was because I cried a lot. Because there, te- there were tears. It, it came out it the did. other way. It, it must have come out the other way. And it wasn't necessarily crying always for sadness. It was crying because of excitement. It was crying because I finally seen Cap again and I'm so happy. You know, just all of that. I'm, I, la- I cry for everything. For every emotion, there's a cry on, in me. So that may have been what it was. So it, to me, it felt balanced. I didn't have a problem with any of the pacing and I'm surprised it was as long as it was. So when I got out of it. Yeah, I don't yeah. Matthew, what about you? I didn't have a problem with any of the pacing. You know, I, I felt like for the most part the movie is paced as, as well as it can with everything that they're trying to cram into it. Um for me though, the actual action scenes and set pieces for the most part, I found them really blase. Um, it felt I, they were really boring, um, and mainly yeah. part of that was to me it felt like Michael Bay action, like it's just a lot of CGI being thrown at you, and especially like are it, you kind of thinking like the scene the very uh, end of Titan? I'm thinking of just every action scene, like none of them had like, and, and I was really surprised because the Russos are the ones who have created I think the best action set pieces in the MCU. I'm thinking of all the the fight scenes in um, uh, Winter Soldier oh, as is, are just amazing, yeah. and everything they did. And I felt like in uh, Civil War really worked, especially the end battle scene. I mean, it, it, that is just so brutal and beautiful all at the same time. But this. It just it felt like Michael Bay action. Um, it just it didn't have a lot of the weight that I expected it to have. Um, and part of that too was especially that end battle scene in Wakanda. You're just like all over the place. It's mostly CGI, and I didn't feel like they were doing the thing that Peter Jackson's so good at the Lord of the Rings trilogy, where major action set pieces are happening, but you feel like you're following a story in it. I didn't feel like I was following a good story in that large of an action set piece. It just felt like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this? And what wouldn't it be cool if they did this? And what, you know, like there wasn't, there wasn't that flow that I expected the Russos to have. So for me, honestly, that's the thing that I kind of was frustrated about in the movie. I wasn't seeing anything that made this stand out as there's nothing in here that I haven't already seen in the MCU, which I'm a little disappointed in. Whereas every other movie, especially the ones that they had done, they found a way to make it something special specifically to, like when you watch Winter Soldier, it's like you're going to see some brutal, very brutal fight scenes that feel like a, you know, a 70s spy movie. You know, um, you're going to see really... um, personal battle scenes uh together in civil war and i expected something in this one but i just didn't feel like i got it i i can see that um for me uh, the story i didn't need a story because i i thought that he they were just trying to kind of spread desperation how it was kind of like they're what they didn't really have a chance you know like they're they're just kind of endlessly coming and 
you know, they talked about they sacrificed themselves to get through the barrier. And, you know, they just sort of it sort of felt like like they're they were just there was never going to win. And there was just kind of no hope. So why tell more of a story through that is kind of the feeling I took from it. Um, and, and for me, the the minions in that scene just reminded me of the the demi dogs from Stranger you know Thing. i thought of that it was a whole it was a whole i, I of thought that. of that but i also thought of the liquors from resident evil and yeah, so except they didn't have the long tongues so and then i also kind of thought of venom and so it was like a combination of those three things or tremors like, yes tremors. Yeah. Yeah. So, it was just like a yeah. whole weird combo yeah, it, of a creature that you don't really yeah. know where it i came don't from. think i want to know where it came from but I, I, so let's put it this way: I, I wanted this battle to feel like the Battle of Helm's Deep for these heroes, where they really okay. do lose the entire time until the very end, right? And and we're just not going to get that very end in this movie because they're just going to continue to lose. But I just wanted it to to feel more epic and personal, kind of at the same time, and and that doesn't. It just didn't. I, for me, it didn't happen. You so. didn't have like the drama. Yeah, behind exactly. That scene there wasn't. Really it wanted. was just action for action's sake, instead of it sure. really connecting me to what's happening. And that happens more at the very, very end when it's like you know when it's Cap against Thanos, you know, and you have that emotion of that scene there, or when Thanos is stopping Scarlet Witch and turning back time. Like you, you get. I don't know, you finally get back to a, a, where the story's been going the whole time. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, I, I can see what you're, I can see where you're coming from. I, I didn't necessarily look for it. I, I got that fulfilled in the scene you were just describing versus the other scene. So for me, I, I was like, I was like, all right, I got my like intense drama moment already um, that I didn't need to get from that like battlefield. Because to me, the drama in that scene was up in the um like the medical bay yeah um, versus down on the battle yeah it was they so, were all fighting so that shuri would have time everybody was literally kung fu fighting so you know <laughs> they is, were fast as lightning this the, literally yeah, this is the movie where everybody was kung fu fighting um so we could really we really could continue to talk about this honestly i think for another At hour least. but we're not going to um because we don't have because you should just go see the movie yeah. <laughs> um, but i wanted to ask you guys to kind of come down to um what you would rate infinity war so brandy what do you think mm, well you know how i am i always tend to rate things higher than other people and so mm, let's see it's it's going to end up being like 15 out of 10 wandering Captain America nomads <laughs> for me because nice. this I have waited most of my life to see something like this and never thought it would happen. And I didn't feel disappointed at all. So for me, it was it was a win. And, uh, you know, and nothing's perfect. And I'm not saying that it is. But for me, it was a total win. So, and I don't think there's anything wrong yeah. with that, especially since you've been a Marvel fan for your whole fanatic. life. I mean, I think I'm yeah, I, so that's what fan is short okay. for. So, fan yeah. is short for fanatic. So, <laughs> well, you get the full word. You don't even get the abbreviation. You are worthy of Woot! that full word. Thank you. In the best, and that is the best way. No, I I'm mean taking that it that as a compliment. Totally. <laughs> what about you, Drea? Um, okay. Uh, considering I had zero expectations for this movie, I went in with my bar like 
real low, guys. Um, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it 45 seconds. 45 out of 60 seconds of the dying neutron stars. <laughs> so gone in 60 seconds, guys. Uh, 45 <laughs> 45 of 60 it's an excellent movie but i had some oh. gripes but overall i would see it again yeah um so i am definitely glad that i saw this i am glad i saw it twice mainly just because there was so much happening and 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 even though i've seen all of these movies before you know the all 18 films i i still feel like it it was hard to catch my breath um, in the film, and uh, I put in my written review, it kind of felt like somebody gave you a gourmet burger and then asked you to eat it in a minute. You know, like there's just so much happening, and and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but I do think, for me, this movie is it's just somewhere in the middle for Marvel, which isn't bad. I mean, like there's 19 movies, this is number 10 for me. Um, it's it's good and it's enjoyable. Um, I think that I'm probably going to like the second one much better. And I think part of that is because it's going to feel more personal and it's going to feel more um, about, I don't know. It's, I think it's just going to, it's going to be more about the characters that we all have loved for 10 years. So, um, but you know, all in all, I think this is, uh, it's fun to see all these characters interact with each other. That's probably the best part of the movie is just seeing them all interact with each other and, how they play off each other. And so, yeah, it, for me, this is three and a half out of five cap shields, you know? Um, so, and I've got to say, if there is not a moment in the next movie where Cap and Tony get Somebody a, gives Cap a shield. Yeah, his, no, where <laughs> Cap and, no, when they Cap and Tony have a conversation and Tony hands him back his Captain America shield and says, this is yours, they're doing something wrong. So I feel like my rating on this might change just based on the second part. Um, if it becomes predictable and cliche ridden, then I feel like it will affect how I feel about this film as well, because to me, they have to go together, right? I mean, you can kind of treat them individually, but at the same time, they sort of weigh upon each other. So uh, I want to put that sort of, you know, little tick out there that if the next one sucks totally and they totally ruin it, then my rating on this one will probably go down. I just, I, they've raised my expectations and they better meet them. Otherwise, I'm going to shake my fist at them. I will not curse them in a room Thank full you. of children, but I will I shake my fist that. at them. Um, I will say too, I would also, I also kind of think it would be a cool ending to have. So if Chris Evans is like, yeah, I'm done, just let Cap be the one who takes on the first Avenger, have him be the one who puts on the gauntlet and rewrites the universe to put it back and that take his life. Like that just seems like the perfect ending to that character to me. Like what a way to go out to save the entire universe as you know it. And it makes sense because that's what he did is the first Avenger, you know, like it, I don't know. I don't. So you're, you're, you're not going to, it's not going to be, it's not going to be Stark because we gave him something to live for. And yeah, cause he's got a baby him. probably. Well, but now, no, we've already had him have his whole self-sacrifice moment. Like, he's already been there. We've already been there, and we've already done that. We've got to give it to somebody different. It'll either be Chris Elmsworth as Thor, because Thor can come back as a different person. You know, Thor can be, Thor is the power, and not the not Chris Hemsworth. Um, so, I mean, I there's a lot you can that. do with it. Mm, yeah. There's a lot you can I'm do with teasing. it. My favorite fan theory out there, though, before we call it, 
um, is the th- idea that they could bring back um, Natalie Portman's character, Jane whose name Foster. or Jane Foster. Foster, that she could be as inc- no, not even be Thor, but just be an incredible resource for helping them write what's happened. Could be. I I don't know if Cap is capable physically of withstanding well, I, the gauntlet. I don't know either. I mean, look, but, Adam yeah. Warlock is going to come into it. There's reason that they introduced him. Yes, he's got a different origin story. But not till the next Guardians I, How do movie. we know that? I well, I have a feeling, feeling that I've he's going to show up in Avengers 4. I'm hooked on a feeling. That song came out the year I was born. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, okay. So. We could speculate yes, for hours, we could, guys. But um, I, I'm just. This has been just. I, I really think it's been a blast. It has as a been. show. I yes. think we've had a fantastic time. And thank you so much. Um, really want to say thank you to Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson for supporting us through Patreon. They're our associate producers here on the show, and they know uh, that we can't do this alone here on Track FM. It's just too big of a network. Um, so go over to Patreon.com/slash/TrackFM. See how you can support the network each and every month, and make sure all this content keeps coming to you. Honestly, every little bit helps. And so, again, just go over to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can be part of our Avengers team. So, Drea, if anybody wants to talk to you some more about Avengers or anything else you've got going on, where can they find you? You can come tell me what your, who your Gamora would be to join us in the Soul Gym. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, since Matthew mm. won't tell me his. Uh, on Twitter at PCFChick or on Instagram at Drea Kaufman at c-o-f-f-m-a-n and you can also hear matthew and i um come talk about our other obsession which is harry potter um on the owl post which is on the nerd party network where we go through chapter by chapter of the harry potter books we are about a third of the way through goblet of fire right now so that's where we are at and that's where you can generally find me either taking care of an infant or reading <laughs> harry potter so and what about you, you know both equally exciting <laughs> and unpredictable <laughs> And unpredictable. Well well played. What about you, Brandy? Well, you can find me lurking in the Babel Conference from time to time. And you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12. Brandy is spelled with an I. The 12 is a number. I also am on the Trek FM network on Warp 5, which is the Star Trek Enterprise podcast with my friends Brandon Shamatella and Patrick Devlin. And I do a podcast with my lovely husband, Dave, called the Dark Corner Podcast, which you can find on strangeanddeadly.com. But we are getting our own subdomain, so soon you'll be able to find it at thedarkcornerpodcast.com. And uh, I do curse in that one, so not for children. I will not curse in front of children. So <laughs> She's not doing oh, it in a movie theater, yeah. folks. She's not. No. She's not. Um, well, thank you. Um, you can find me... Um, Thank you both of you. Uh, it's, this really has been a brilliant show. Been a so pleasure. I'm just going to call it brilliant show. <laughs> and Matthew just became oh, yes, brilliant. Show. Moment. It's been wonderful. Um, I'm so it's pleased. It's been fantastic, here. darling. Yes, just absolutely. love it. Um, but you can find me on Twitter, MattRushing02. Um, I'm on Instagram under the same name. I'm here on the network also doing The Orb with Chris Jones talking about Deep Space Nine. I am on the nerd party network with drea of course with Alpost and with john mills talking all about star wars and aggressive negotiations so make sure you check out both of those shows they really are so much fun and then last but not least i am doing cinema stories with my good friend courtney where we talked a lot about themes from the bible in this movie um and we do that for every film over there on cinema stories so check it out so uh but thank you so much for joining us and Thanos will return. Thank you.